0: Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends podcast, powered by the Henderson Brewing Company, a locally owned, award-winning neighborhood brewery that celebrates Toronto's stories and culture. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Robert Rainford. Rob is a professionally trained chef, the author of Rob Rainford's Born to Grill, and the former host of Licensed to Grill, which was a wildly popular Food Network show that aired in Canada, the US, Australia, Africa, and Asia, pretty much around the world. Rob loves to grill, and for him, it's all about entertaining and spending time with friends and family. This sentiment is captured in his signature style, known as the Rainford Method, and is evident whether he's cooking on television, on stage, or just at home on the backyard patio. Welcome, Rob, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Andrew, thank you for having me. I'm somewhere in Toronto.
1: I'm not at my own abode, but again, I was... um. I was golfing earlier, um, so again I rushed home for this. We only did nine, so uh, I'm very upset at you, Andrew. But <laughs> I
0: you appreciate know. your commitment. I also appreciate your commitment to golf. You are—it's very rare to be able to sneak in a November round.
1: Oh, it, it's beyond strange, but you know what? It looks like it's great weather for the
0: rest of the week.
1: Let's I'm not keep saying anything. Don't talk about the no hitter, <laughs> okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's keep going with that. Now, if I may, I'd like to ask about your family. Who is in the Rainford household these days and, and what's everyone up to?
1: Well, again, our Rainford, I'm an empty nester. Or not I. My wife and I are empty nesters. Um, our two daughters are at UPEI, which I just got back from um, Prince Edward Island uh, on Monday night. I uh, missed trick or treating. But anyhow, <laughs> I, uh, sorry, kids. Sorry, kids. But um, yeah, we missed it. Um, and again, basically, I just they went to play their home opener. Um, so two games against Cape Breton. They won both games by over 20 points. Both my daughters are there. My older daughter used to be in the States, D1, and has come home to do teacher's college. And um, so she's playing with my, her younger sister, who's in her fourth year. It's like one-stop shopping. I'm the happiest man on the planet. <laughs> I, people can't, they don't know my, my real life.
0: Rob Rainford's got it figured out. Now, what sport is this, Rob? What are they playing? Oh, they play
1: um, varsity basketball and uh, women's basketball, not girls. Uh, yeah. Get it right, Andrew. Get it right, Andrew. Absolutely. Um, I know. Believe me, because I, do, I don't get it right. So it
0: doesn't matter. We're both playing and they're, I, they're really doing very, very well. Well, that's excellent. That's good news to hear. And also good news, Empty Nester, you, you, you're pretty soon going to have them off the payroll. Or are they going to boomerang back to you? Oh, they're 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 never off.
1: Come on, on, man! In this generation, this these uh, I don't even know if they're Gen Z or millennial. I don't know what the hell they are. But you know, I think they'll be on my payroll forever.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, you won't change the locks on them. That's what it sounds like. Well, no, not these, not these. No. Good. When else I
1: would for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, Rob, I do want to go all the way back. Get the Rob Rainford story. Where were you born? And please describe your upbringing.
1: I was born in Jamaica, uh, came to this country, uh, Canada in the year of our Lord, uh, 1970. I wanna make it sound as old as possible, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, so we came in 1970, I have five, uh, four siblings, I'm a twin. Basically our parents decided to come to Canada as opposed to going to New York or in the America, um, which I'm so glad that they actually did because um, as a Canadian, And, you know, Jamaican heritage, I am the happiest man on the planet because this country, by far, I don't care where you are from in the world, if you're not from
0: Canada, sorry. Uh, uh, (laughs) Sorry
1: for everything.
0: (laughs) Well, we are very fortunate (laughs) to be where we are. Rob, when you came, you were at the age of three. Where did your family land in canada
1: we we landed right downtown so yeah. we are, were at basically dufferin and dundas so just north of the cne if anyone's from canada they know the canadian national exhibition Um, And I've been on those grounds for a long time. And um, you know what? I went to school at Shirley Street Public School, went to Kent were grade seven and eight, went to Central Tech for grade nine, went to Western Tech for grade 10, and I finished off at Eastern Commerce.
0: That's normal in Canada, people. (laughs) Once you finished up, you were a high school grad, Rob. What did you end up doing next? I basically,
1: you know, I had a kid. uh, My oldest daughter is 34 years old. Um, So, uh, you know, university was my last stop after, um, you know, high school, but I did not last very long. I had a child. I made a decision, came home, started working. And, um, you know, I started my life in 1987 is when I had my oldest daughter. So I'm 55 years old. I'll be 56 at the end of the month. But I'm holding on to 55.
0: (laughs) As, as long, long as you as can,
1: possibly can, um, but again, you know, I um just basically started life um, not on my own terms. But when you have to make decisions, hard decisions in your life, I think it's always best to go with the one that keeps family first, and that's who I am.
0: Well, that is certainly part of your whole theme, and. In terms of family first, you're now making decisions for your family. How did you end up at George Brown College? Uh, So I basically had my child in 87,
1: uh, and it was a previous relationship. And um, so it took me off the path that I really wanted to go on. I'll, I'll backtrack by saying this. In 1977, there was a basketball camp and a cooking camp, and everybody did the basketball camp. I saw that there were like, you know, 17 girls that were taking the culinary part. And I took the culinary <laughs> part. Um, I played sports for girls, but I also learned to cook. Because of girls. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, that passion was ignited me in me when I started doing um, the cooking school. And, um, you know, I, I went home to my dad, you know, listen, I think I found what I really love. Um, you know, I still have the the cuff mark in the back of my head um, from my father saying, hey, hey, uh, we brought you to Canada not to be a cook. And the way that cook came out of his mouth um, really told me exactly what he felt about the profession. And if anybody knows, in the 70s, it was always it's always been a profession, but it's never been an elevated position. Um, you know, the Food Network changed everything. Um, you know, it turned us into rock stars or whatever, pop stars. Um, so I get it. I, 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 I was at the initial beginning of, of this wave. So, but for me in 77, I wanted to do it. I went to Central Tech in grade nine. There was a culinary program and I took it and I loved it. I literally, and again, from 77 to about 80, 81, I came home and I told my father again, I think I found it, I, I, I love this. I didn't bring you here to be a cook. And the cook connotation with him was akin to slave. I know it's a stretch, but to West Indian parents and to people who are trying to build themselves or build their children into something else, it was a step back. Mm-hmm. So I just let it go. I let it die. You know, in our household, I'm the only person in my family that does not hold a degree all four siblings. Everybody has a degree. I've got college. <laughs> and I, I use this one because my wife will know exactly what I mean by that. I only got college, yeah. but I went to George Brown in the mid 90s. After working for about five to six years, I just said, I can't do it anymore. I have to be me. And I went to culinary school for two years, George Brown, culinary management, and I and I learned the trade. And I loved I've never looked back, but I I spent five years working from a warehouse up to a a buyer. Um, And again, in our, you know, in our household, you're never going to stay in the back for long. So wherever Mm -hmm. you are, if I'm a garbage man, I'm going to be the best garbage man on the planet. Yep. I just I I learned my trade and um,
0: I haven't looked back since. Well, let's jump right into how you got on the wave that, as you mentioned, was started by the Food Network. How did you jump on this train, so to speak, Rob? So I have a buddy named, uh, and he's a great chef uh, named Ned Bell.
1: He um, started on the Food Network uh, in 99 um, when I had my first child with my wife. And um, I watched what he was doing. And then, you know, I said to myself, you know, I can do this. I uh, had a, an arid conversation with an executive producer and, you know, it kind of died. Then I got a job at George Brown College teaching in 2002, um, in the cul- in the Con Ed department, I was teaching culinary one and two, sort of the basics of, of, of cooking. And um, I had an executive producer take my course and here are the exact words, you're not ugly, <laughs> uh, you speak English. <laughs> you should try this. <laughs> okay, good. I raised my hand and I said, yeah. So I didn't. No, I never auditioned. I didn't. I was approached and I had done a show called Cook Like a Chef. It was on the Food Network. It's one of the first shows on the Food Network. And I was a background performer. So I was a sous chef on that. And Ned okay. Bell, the, the, the gentleman that I, I speak about so glowingly, um, I was a sous chef on that. At that time, I was actually an executive chef, but because of, you know, TV, you do what you have to do. But I learned the trade. I watched him go through his process, and I basically said, you know what? I know I can do this. Next thing you know, they offer me license to grill. And um, initially, I did not want to do it because I am not a backyard barbecue guy. Mm-hmm. I my background is in classical french fine dining so i've worked in fine dining restaurants my whole career so and i and i put a gradation on it okay there is your all-day cooks your breakfast cooks and then there's your lunch guys and then there's your dinner guys and i'm not dinner in a, in a casual meaning i mean it in a fine dining meaning these are all different levels um and again to the average person you know hey, cook's a cook but I know that if I did fine dining, I could do anything else afterwards. But if you do breakfast or you do diner style, you can't necessarily rise
0: through the ranks. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. I think all careers are in the same vein. Mm-hmm. And on this show now, License to Grill, you jump into it. You didn't have a lot of TV exposure before. What did you kind of find most interesting about the whole process? Because on TV, it looks like you just go and you do it. But there's a lot of work for each episode.
1: Oh, uh, it's, you know, between 12. We started off doing around 18 the 16 to 18 hours worth of taping for 22 minutes. Wow. Because everything everything had to be cooked. And this is as per me, um, from start to finish. There is no, the, the swap outs are the swap outs, but everything is cooked and everything you can eat. I can't say that about every show on the Food Network or any network, but everything you can eat on mine. Now, remember, if you're seasoning something for the camera and you mess it up on take one, take 56. By the same time you're putting <laughs> that salt on, it's over. you, you can't eat that. But yeah. again, I, I had to learn this trade from bottom up and from scratch. And I think it, it, what it gave me was, and the, the leg up that I think I have over most people is that I'm a very quick learner. Uh, the first six episodes, I never want to see again okay (laughs) but yeah the seven i turned the corner and by 12 i'd hit my stride i knew what i needed to do i knew how to speak to the camera and that's what most people you know at home it's it's one thing to talk to yourself Mm -hmm. but to pretend that the customer or the guest and the the client and all these people that are watching you are right there i'm i'm always talking to you andrew when we were, we're having a conversation, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the, you know, the, the, the thing behind you on your right hand side there and whatever that ring light is over there on the <laughs> side. I don't know if it's a ring light or not, but I'm not talking. I'm talking to you. And that's what I think people understand about me is that I have that gift that I'm able to have a conversation with anyone from a janitor to a CEO.
0: Well, connection is so important, personal connection. The other thing that was important was your catchphrases. And I believe your signature line from that show was, look at those beautiful char marks. Uh, Would you uh, say you had any other catchphrases and do people spit them back at you to uh, show you how they're viewers? Mute your camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: again, yes, yes. I uh, there, Many people have told me that there are tons of university drinking games Licensed to
0: grill. <laughs> uh, that's the highest compliment you can get, Rob. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, I want to talk about how you morphed, I guess, your TV show, uh, pivoted maybe the right word, into a book. You added being an author to your skill set. In 2012, Rob Rainford's Born to Grill was published. This book included over 100 recipes, 20 complete menus, all designed for a backyard barbecue. How did the book project come about? Uh, The book
1: project came about with me trying to pull myself away from just the TV show. I I, I want people to know that, you know, on TV, you see what you see. But my real life cooking, how do people cook without the Gordon Ramseys and uh, and all these people who, who sort of have, like you feel, they have everything behind them. I'm by myself. I travel mm-hmm. alone. I do things alone. I don't have an entourage. I just do what I do. And I'm, I'm really happy to say that, you know, whether it's a knife fight or a uh, cooking competition, I can do them both. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's just who I am. And, I, and again, there are a lot of people that are in those positions that are telegenic. That's a word that I heard many, many times. As if you have the face for it, then people will believe this. But I always wanted to have that background that you know, hey, this is what I do. So if you whether I cook a grilled cheese sandwich or a tuna fish sandwich or foie gras, it's all me. I can Mm -hmm. do them all. I can hit for the cycle. I, (laughs) you know, that's and that's important to me. Not that it really means anything because at the end of the day. Um, You know, you're either popular because that you are, you know, people identify with you or you have a big marketing machine behind you and and you get promoted that way. I've been working on my new show, Rob Rainford is Hungry, for about three years now. And I know you haven't asked me this question yet, but I'll just preface it by saying that I do have a new project in the works. Uh, You know, COVID slowed everything down, but I am, you know, executive producer Part, C, not part CEO and mm-hmm. I only have one other partner with me now so I don't work for someone else I'm doing stuff for myself.
0: Let's jump right into this what is this new project and when are we going to see it? So
1: basically what we'll do is we'll try to tape for 2023 so at the beginning of this cycle so hopefully by December we take the first episodes. Um, If we don't get that done because of whatever, we'll tape in January and it'll be on for the fourth quarter in 2023. So we have... Discovery. We've got CW. uh, I've got a huge following in Africa, and I have about 64 different countries that I can choose from to to air this uh, project. And I haven't. I've been reticent to talk. Like you should never talk about something until your first check clears the account. (laughs) Yeah. First check hasn't cleared the account, but I feel much more comfortable saying that this is a project that I've been working on again for three years. Um, and uh, I know for a fact that even if it were to be kiboshed at this point, there's the Internet. I was told about YouTube, you know, 15 years ago. And I said, you what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Not the brightest man on the planet. Because <laughs> I could have been easily a star on YouTube and just doing it on my own. But yep. I am a dinosaur. I love network shows. That's how I cut my teeth. No one on this planet has
0: watched more TV than Rob (laughs) Rainford. Well, there's still a role for network TV. Why don't you talk a little more? What is the project based on? So the project
1: is based on hungry. And I have an intellectual conversation with a celebrity about the time in their life when they were hungry. Now, remember, I'm going to have from A to B and to Z and to Z. So it could be, oh, we only had foie, gras seven times a week. <laughs> yes. You know, I'll have that conversation, but I'll also have when, you know, there wasn't enough food, mm-hmm. food insecurity. Um, the project that I'm a part of right now, it's called Feed It Forward. So I left my corporate chef job in September, September one. And I signed on with a new company called Feed It Forward, my friend, Jag Gordon, who has been doing this for about seven years going out feeding food insecure people in Toronto and it's been uh, a project a, a heartfelt project on his own behalf we join. I met him just haphazardly my wife says let's go to Cafe Dip it's down on Clinton and um, College Street uh, I love the place but it's not the one that I want to go to all the time Okay. But my wife's Italian, so you people out there, that <laughs> I, your wife says she wants to go somewhere, you go. Just, I hear you. Just shut up. So we went, and I met the guy who drove in a, in a Batmobile. <laughs> I'm like, what uh, God, what's going on? And, and I had met Jag four years ago with a friend of ours named Sandra Carusi. She just died uh, a couple of years ago of cancer, but she was on the radio. She's a comedian. And so we had met. And it was just like a rekindling of a, of a, of an old relationship. And we just, he goes, I'm doing this. I go, I go, I can make this project not better, but I can support this. Okay. And so basically since September 1st to now, I've just been doing, going up to Muskoka, going, we went to Cape Breton, 22 hours driving, uh, wow. to feed food insecure people after the, um, tornado or sort of the hurricane that went through, so. I'm, I'm doing what I do, but I'm also, you know, at the end of the day, when
0: I die, I want to have made a difference.
1: Okay. And this well, makes a difference.
0: Well, that is fabulous to hear. And it's going to be uh, a TV project, or is there any kind of ancillary, would there be a book involved? Would there be other products involved? Uh, There'll be 100%, like, so a hundred percent. So definitely
1: a book will be supporting Rob Rainford is Hungry. Um, and that's the name of the show. It's, uh, it's called Hungry, but it's Rob Rainford is Hungry. And basically, uh, I'll have a, a whole network of things that will actually help to propel this thing forward. Um, again, you've, uh, you've spoken to a good friend of mine, Donovan Bailey, uh, you know. These are people that, you know, I know personally, and I told you, I only call two people that are not my family. My brothers, Donovan is one of them, and the house that I'm in right now, Kevin, is is also a brother. And these are people that I respect, people who know what I'm trying to to do in my life. Um, There's no sense in trying to just make yourself happy for today. I really do believe that at the end of the day, when you leave this planet, nobody's going to say you should have worked. Ten more hours. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to say you had you needed ten more dollars. That's not what it's going to be about. The people that I'm feeding now really do get um, the only. And the people that I'm feeding don't even know who I am most of the time, which makes mm-hmm. me smile
0: every day because they're just appreciative of what I am doing right now. Well, as you know, the inbox will always be full. You're never going to get it cleared out. You got to do something good for you, good for your soul. The Toronto Legends podcast is powered by the Henderson Brewing Company, a locally owned, award-winning neighborhood brewery that celebrates Toronto's stories and culture, just like this podcast. As the days get shorter, for a limited time, you can enjoy their gold medal-winning Export Stout, available now at their taproom and retail store at 128A Sterling Road along the West Toronto Railpath, or order now at HendersonBrewing.com. Henderson Brewing and the Toronto Legends podcast, a great local partnership. I think our listeners are going to want to know is the rainford method still going to be in place for your future projects and why don't you describe what the rainford method is
1: so the rainford method to me is that i've always looked at recipes as a blueprint but you know that you have a ton of chefs out there that are so they, they feel that they're so elevated above the process that they forget that the average person has to do it so when you say that you need 52 ingredients to start one recipe. How many people are actually going to do that recipe? Mm. I The Rainford method is, and simply put, is to take out all the extraneous things. Take it by like one step at a time. So three steps maximum. Pull it out. Marinate it. Relax. Cook it. Low and slow. High and fast. And again, just take out all the mess. because. And again, there's and I, I don't want to mention names, but there are chefs out there or cooks out there, people call them this, themselves cooks or chefs, that you know can't cook themselves out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> and by watching them, you can tell that they don't know what they're doing, but yet they're out there professing that, hey, I, I'm an expert, I'm subject expert in everything. If there's a Thai restaurant out there, and there's a Thai cook that's been in there for five years, and me that just kind of does it on the side, Do I want to compare myself to this person? No, but what I can do is say, are these the things that you use? How do you use them? I watch how you use them and then make it my way. Because that's what most people are not aware of, is that if you just change three ingredients in any recipe that you have, it now becomes your intellectual property. And you can now create a cookbook based off of just changing three ingredients. Yep. and again, I think your profile is different from my profile. And you have to at least say to yourself that it doesn't have to be whatever you see, you see it. Change it. Make it applicable to you. The Rainford method is making it applicable to you. Stop worrying about I don't have the, you know, the Himalayan pink
0: seesaw. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You don't have it? You don't have it. Go get something else. Customize it. Make it your own. Make it I- your own. I'm not going to put you on the spot and slag anybody else, but I am going to ask you who you, Rob Rainford, look up to and respect. Maybe it's their grilling skills, any other celebrity chefs that you enjoy. Who's on your radar someone you enjoy watching and learning from?
1: Um, You know what, and I'll put it right back at you, that I only have one culinary, um, let's say two culinary heroes. One is Ned Bell. Uh, He's out in Vancouver. He's got Naramata Inn. He's probably the guy. He's my vampire. He bit me and this he made me into this person that you see today. (laughs) And his mentor is Rob Feeney. Rob Feeney was on the Food Network before him. But my my truest expression of who I am as a cook comes from two people, which is my grandmother and my older brother. So my grandmother and Howard basically showed me the ropes. And there's no one on TV that I can tell you I look at and say, you know, oh that's it's all interesting. I love watching because I enjoy um, cooking and I love seeing people cook properly. But now you notice with the social media aspect of everything, everybody's an expert.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I my, my, my my BS meter and I use BS <laughs> properly because I don't know who's going to see this, is set very low. So when I see somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, I can tell right away and you're done. And with social media, you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Like TikTok. I'm addicted to TikTok. And (laughs) and I don't know why. You know, it said my screen time was down 34% from last week. But that means nothing because I'm on it for like five hours, you know, regardless. But I just love scrolling. I love watching food. I love watching people create food. And If you love what you're doing, great. And if you don't love what you're doing, I can also see that. Because here's a here's a great so my my biggest TikTok and I've been on TikTok for about a year, but I probably have less than twenty posts. My only post I got sixty-eight thousand people to watch was: Do you wash your chicken? Do you wash your chicken? Do you scrub it down and clean it with salt and vinegar and lime and lemon? Do you do that before you cook? I do not. You should not. But. <laughs> I have had death threats, okay? Wow. That one has asked me to revoke my black card. People, oh, no. People, <laughs> I, it doesn't come up. But they ask me, you know, like, as a, from a cultural perspective, I get it. My grandmother did it. My mother did it always. But again, in the 70s, because I'm 55 years old, almost 56, uh, we used to thaw things on the counter. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we took things out of the freezer, put them on the counter, come home. You know? But nope. now we know if you put it in running cold water, it will thaw it quickly or just take it from the freezer into your fridge in a day you can use it. You know, frozen into the oven is not going to work well for you. <laughs> no. Trust me on this one, okay? Trust me on this. One. But I've, I've learned my lesson. So for me, you know, I have the culinary background. I've taught for 15 years at uh, George Brown in the con Ed department, a couple of years at Centennial College full time. I, so I get it, and I, I've been an executive chef, a corporate chef. I get it. I know how to do these things. But I, you know, talking to my own people, telling me, you know, you're just simply incorrect in your assessment mm. that you shouldn't run cold water over top of something that could splash. And that liquid could hit a fork, a knife, you. And again, mm-hmm. if you do the black light on washing chicken, it does more harm than it does good. So, again, these are things that I have these discussions with. My, my kids have told me, Dad, stop with the washing chicken thing. okay? You don't need a death threat <laughs> because you have washing
0: But it is what it is. Who would have thought washing chicken could come to that point? But You would think it shouldn't. This is is the world we live in. I do want to ask you, Rob, about Chef Ted Reader. He is, like you, another Toronto legend. He's the king of the queue, godfather of the grill. I know he is listening. Is Ted Reader a friend, enemy, frenemy? Uh, No, (laughs) he is a love of
1: my life. That man and I have spent so much time in his garage. And if you know... You know, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's he's just the best. And again, you know, when you ask me about culinary heroes, I should actually backtrack and say, you know what? He was at the Sky Dome when I was basically just starting out, and then he got that PC commercial and he did a jerk chicken uh, wing that I thought was just fabulous. You know, the white guy coming up with the jerk chicken, like you know, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, you know, and he's, his personality, the man that he really is. So, so we've worked under this actual, we had the same management team for about maybe five or six years. I, I love Ted. He, uh, you know, Chef Reader is, he is a chef. Um, I don't care what anybody, he is the godfather. Don't, don't, don't get it mistaken. Okay, I got a little bit more in terms of I got the Food Network thing, but cult following. That's your man. I love him to death.
0: That's great. I'm with you. So shout out to Ted Reeder, another Toronto legend. Rob, I want to ask you, License to Grill, it's been on TV literally around the world. Where's the most unexpected place that you've been recognized by someone?
1: Uh, Romania.
0: Uh, so I ended, <laughs> I ended up, you
1: know, getting a, an arid email from an uh, event organizer to come to a cultural event basically they do open air cooking competitions and it came out of nowhere and i'm like romania hmm what do i know about romania nadio komenic dracula uh vlad Tepes to most of you um again and uh i did not want to go <laughs> I'm like, you took I'm a not, pass i'm not getting bit in my neck just because i wanted to go tempt fate but you know what the romanians have treated me like a, a, a you know a, a demigod i i loved it i you know i would go many times a year since covid i haven't been back but i know i'll be back next year at some point but the show is on in 64 different countries amazing you know from kenya to south africa like i've been to every country that you can think of i've been there because of the show so i I, I i always say you know what Thank you for that opportunity, which, which, you know, built all of this.
0: Now, on the flip side, Rob, who is your celebrity doppelganger? Who do you get mistaken for? Uh, Donovan Bailey. No,
1: because <laughs> <laughs> I would whoop his butt. If got it. Sorry, Donovan. Sorry, I know. I know. He's got some surgeries behind him. I just got a bad knee uh, And a torn Achilles. But anyhow, no, I don't know. I am a, I, I'm an identical twin so i've never i've always i've since birth i've never been you know confused for just me hey <laughs> yeah. are you robert are you richard or are you robert so it did you know i don't have a doppelganger but you know what i hear that i sound like um denzel or that's a good one that's know, a good one i don't think he's as good looking but you <laughs> know hey, hey 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 denzel if you're watching and i'll call you Denzel. Your real name, um, but again, you know, I've I've heard that, but you know, uh, Morgan Freeman, which that one hurts. I, <laughs> look, at, look at me, people! I'm pretty. I have no spots on my face. Come on now.
0: Yeah. But,
1: you know, I again, but
0: I. No, other than that, nothing really, nothing. We have to ask you because this is your industry. What are the best places to eat in Toronto? And I'm hoping you got some hidden gems for me. Oh, my hidden gem is.
1: Bomers on Ossington. Paul Bomer, wonderful chef. And we've turned into great friends over the last, say, 10, 15 years. One of our people that we have in common, you know, passed away a few years ago. And, um, you know, so we basically have have bonded over that. But um, Hapa Restaurant down on College Street, I just adore it. Uh, Cy, who is the owner, basically... A fusion of Japanese and Korean. It's just, you know, you can get a karachi. You can get uh, sushi. Those are the things that I like. uh, Because I'll tell you this. I don't really enjoy going out. Mm Because anything I want, I can make it. Yep. Just give me the ingredients. Don't give it to me. (laughs) I'll go and buy it. (laughs) Yeah. But if I have the ingredients, I can make it myself, or I'll tr- I'll come as close as I possibly can. So I'm not really ever concerned about you know, uh, going out because I want this experience of fine dining. I don't want a waiter coming to my table with their pinky, and this is this, this is this, 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 get up, just go away, drop it in. yell. Yeah. And you know I'll give you your 20% and if you're if you stay away long enough I'll even give you 30%.
0: <laughs> you like the uh, less intrusion. I'm with you.
1: Uh, <laughs> Listen, I, I am Rob Rainford. I get it. Some people are going to say, you know, I have to treat me better than someone else. I've never believed in VIP. If you're not willing to treat that guy with the last 100 bucks or 20 bucks in their pocket like a VIP,
0: then just scrap the terminology. Period. Yep. Let's treat everyone the same. Treat yes. it as you want to be treated. Yes. I, I would be remiss, Rob, if I didn't ask, what are the favorite places of yours to eat Jamaican in our city? In our city, now,
1: I hear there's a couple of places. I haven't been to them yet, but I'll say I, I go to Albert's quite a bit because I love Albert's. Okay. He's on Vaughn and St. Clair. I live on St. Clair. So, uh, again, I've always been, but there's Jerry's. Jerry's was there uh, just maybe a couple of years before Albert's. And there's a ton of West Indian spots. Uh, you know, the uh, real jerk back in the day when they were trying to do sort of the fine dining approach to, you know, Jamaican food. I think there's things that you can make fine dining, and then there are other things that you just gotta leave them the way that they are. Some are mm-hmm. home style, family style, and that works. You know, and trying to put rice and peas into a bowl and then stack it and put it in there's Stop it. Yeah. Just- Put it on a put it on a plate and just let me enjoy it. Put enough gravy that I can enjoy it. That's all I care about.
0: Gravy's the key. Oh yeah, now, yeah. Now, Rob, you mentioned in your past you were involved in teaching at your uh, alma mater, George Brown College. Are you still involved today in teaching or mentoring young chefs?
1: So I have not taught since 2016, um, and only because I, you know. I've sort of evolved away from that process right now. What I'm more interested in is my last um, restaurant position was at a restaurant down on the c and grounds. And I mentor chefs all the time. My, I'm accessed. If you, if you go on my Instagram, I don't even know what it is, but find it. <laughs> Chef Rob Ray for something is there. Yeah. Uh, and again, let me just tell people, if you say Rob, I know that you're not a friend. If you say Robert, I know that you know who I am. Uh, Rob is a TV personality. Robert is who I am. Uh, My father, my brothers, call me Robert, you know. And again, Rob's not a problem. You want to shorten anything, you can do that. But for me personally, I know that, you know, my persona and the way that I look at life literally comes from my eyes. And what I've seen, how I see it, and how I evolved over the period of time. The George Brown thing gave me a great base. Centennial gave me another bigger base. But when you're teaching, you're put in a box and you really can't go outside of that box. And anyone who knows me, knows that i really can't go five minutes without saying a four-letter word that <laughs> okay. my best andrew i believe i'm editing <laughs> and if you hear any glitches and the mk mk ultra thing that's happening right now <laughs> uh, you know i it's only because i'm self-editing because i know <laughs> you know could be somewhere else
0: well you've done a good job at keeping it clean i'm trying you know, You know, you mentioned something very interesting when we talk about the business of being Rob Rainford, as you just kind of alluded to, Robert is you, Rob is your brand. What is the importance of the Rob Rainford brand?
1: The Rob Rainford brand is tied into the Rainford method, and it's about being personable. It's about saying the things that I want to say in an in intelligent way I really don't believe me if you can only use the, the uh, four letter words as the extensive part of your vocabulary then I, you don't get it but if it's just a punctuation or a verb or an adjective you know then, then that's just the way cooks and chefs talk in real life because I've, I've posted a couple of things where I've you know used language that wasn't let's say G rated because mm-hmm. My Sister Girl was G rated um, but, and Gordon Ramsey is not the only person on the planet that can use that superlative. Okay. Yeah. All use it. But again, if it's to punctuate something and not just for the sake of using it, great. But for me, the brand of Rob Rainford is I need to be able to answer the why. And most people on the planet continue to go in that conundrum of, you know, oh, how? well, how, but it's why. Why do you do this as opposed to doing that? The washing chicken is a great example. I say, listen, if you wash it, there's more harm that can be done than good. But then you're gonna come with, I've done it this way for 60 years. Well, I'm gonna come back with, it's not a safe practice. Mm -hmm. And you should just evolve. And if you don't wanna listen to me, no problem. That's okay, I'm just one individual on the planet. But I can tell you this, I've only been cooking for about 28 years. I'm going into my 29th year now. And if I don't, if I don't reach the 30-year mark, then I'm just a rookie. Okay, that's my perspective. But all these YouTubers and these people, oh, I've been doing it. <sighs> it's been a long five years. I don't give a <laughs> crap. You understand? Like I said, I spent more time crying about food, <laughs> okay, than you have actually been doing food. And again, once you're in my community, and, and this is one thing I'll always say to people, once you're in the community, you're in the community, okay? So if whether 28 years, 40 years, Paul Bomer, 41 years, mm. uh, Chef Higgins, I should have also said, you know what? He's also a culinary hero. <laughs> chef Alan Brown, okay? He was the first chef at George Brown to said, you know what? I know you're in your late 20s, but you know what? You can still do this. Yeah. I had a whole bunch of them say, hey, you're just too old. You're not going to hmm. make it." Okay? I had that. So knowing that I've had, you know, from you can make it to you're too old, I get it. I, I just need to tell people I am your inspiration. And anyone that's on Instagram knows you send me a message. I'll try my best to get back to you personally. Yep. Spelling mistakes and all. My wife is a teacher people. Okay, let me (laughs) tell you this. She tells me my grammar, (laughs) the fact that I pretend to speak English from time to time. (laughs) You know, I try my best. I just, I I try my best.
0: Uh, Robert, and I'm going to call you that now because we are friends. We are. Because I know that. uh, I want to ask as we wrap up, and I appreciate all the time you've given us. You mentioned you're on TikTok. You mentioned Instagram. Where can we best follow you and know what's up with Feed It Forward and the upcoming Robert rainford is hungry
1: so basically i'm on instagram pretty much daily um that's the the main one i use i'm also on tiktok chef rob rainford um you know what maybe i should just check it because you know people i i'm terrible at social media i can't believe that i uh, so yeah it's chef rob rainford on um, instagram and just Google me, you can you can figure it out. I I should get another follower, because uh, Andrew, I think <laughs> I've gone down a follower since I've been
0: on with you. <laughs> I will be that extra one as soon as I get off this call. That'll be great. Well, again, thank you for your time, Robert, and I want to wish you continued success with your upcoming projects.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. I really, I'm so glad you reached out. Thank you so much, I really appreciate this.
0: My pleasure. And to our listeners, we say thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast, powered by Henderson Brewing Company. And on behalf of Chef Robert Rainford, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. What she said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves.